Welcome to Mom and Doc Talk, a podcast for health-conscious parents where you get the perspective of a mom and a dad who's also a pediatrician and pediatric emergency physician. Instead of Googling your way through parenting and hoping for the best, get trusted guidance and be the empowered, savvy, and decisive parent you know you can be. Sleep easy when you follow advice tested by doctors and tried by moms and dads. Here are your mom and dad hosts, Dr. Christopher Haynes and Azure Sullivan. Hi, guys. Welcome to Mom and Doc Talk. Really excited for a really cool episode. And we're going to talk about bringing that bundle of joy home, that new baby home, and prepping and organizing for that baby, how to get your nursery ready, how to organize, and how to just get yourself ready to come home, um, especially if it's your first child. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, Azure here. I uh, hope everybody is doing really great, and uh, we're going to get some really good, juicy <laughs> organizing tips today. So let's, you know, start off, and, you know, I'm giving the guy perspective, right? And I don't think I really had much involvement in this, you know, with my children <laughs> at all. Pretty typical guy. Um, but I think, you know, you get pregnant, and then the next thing you know, you're thinking about all the things you possibly need. And it's almost know, like planning for a wedding, honestly. It is really kind of the same time frame of planning and prepping everything with the same excitement and anxiety. It, it crossed my mind when I was kind of introducing this. It kind of sounded the exactly the same way. But very much like you do for a wedding, you have a wedding registry, you have a baby registry. And, you know, we've coached people through this before and we've parent coached through many of these topics that we're going to talk about tonight but tell me what your thoughts are around baby registries you know i don't want to put too much time into baby registries but i do want to mention that they are very important and you know how much i love checklists and they are kind of like a checklist they're not the checklist the only checklist that you will have or will make for the things that you need because you know you might get some hand-me-downs you might go find on facebook marketplace some other things randomly or someone gave you you know there's a lot of things that you don't know that you want today but you might know that you want it two months from now or three months from now so it's kind of important to make that paper list and then as you're adding things to your registry check them off of your paper list because they're on another list you know or you know keep them on the paper list the thing is you just want to make sure you're following along the things that you want and you desire but the registries are very important not only because of the checklist but they really offer a lot of a lot of the baby registries like Amazon or Target, sometimes Walmart, many other companies where the closer you get to your due date, there will be a time that they give you a, a, like a big discount on all the remaining items that maybe someone didn't purchase for you for your baby shower or, you know, people just buying it along the way for you. And that way, if you have like 10 things left on your, your list still, you can get that all like 15% off, maybe up to 20% off. And it's really the registry saying, thanks for buying through us. And here's a huge discount. And then you can get everything discounted and it really saves you rather than like oh well no one bought it for me so I'm just not going to get it because maybe it was too expensive but just hold that thought because see if they uh, allow you to purchase things at a discount the closer to your due date so you, you talked a little bit about checklists and 
I talk a I, lot about checklists. <laughs> I know. And we both live in the world of checklists. I live in the world of checklist manifesto for emergency medicine. And mm-hmm. you live in that world of checklists as well. And you talked about a paper checklist. Mm-hmm. And I, I like them, but I also like computer checklists. Is there is there something that you really like to use for your checklist? So that's right. Paper checklists. I'm totally old school with that. Uh, the benefit of a paper checklist, I mean, there's a lot of downfalls to a paper checklist you can lose them all those things have, but, have five of them the, be- the benefit of a paper checklist is it's so much easier to make notes when you're like writing something down but there's you know something called microsoft to do there's you know lots of other electronic or app checklists that you can use on your phone if you're super savvy with your phone and you prefer it that way you can create a checklist on your computer and say this is a document or a folder all of my baby stuff all of you think just like if you're getting married you want to make your wedding uh, party you got to get the dress you have to the seating arrangements and all that is a separate document essentially right in the same folder and I kind of think about as a as a as a whole so the baby preparation is a whole folder and one of the you know files in your computer could be all about your registry or the things that you want or the plans uh, could be insurance paperwork and f- all these informations all this information about uh, the things that you want and what you're thinking about but I love the checklist paper idea because it's what I'm used to and I just I love being able to make additional notes really quick and scratch it off and then when I know that I've finalized my list. I love putting it into an electronic version because I because we actually tend to let's say you make an Excel spreadsheet today of the checklist. We actually spend tend to spend more time initially on making it beautiful rather than just writing down the darn item. You know what I mean? And we end up like, oh, I want to bold this. I want to underline that. Like that takes too much time. Just write it down on a piece of paper. If you are happy with that, you're satisfied with that list, then I would put it into an electronic form and then it's good to go. Of course, you can make edits further along, but you don't want to waste time on making it a beautiful list. You are going to change that list a hundred times over. So I want to talk a little bit about something that we're launching very shortly and people are going to have access to and we're going to be giving away a new mom survival, new parent survival guide. And we will definitely include some of our checklists in that as well for you. Just as something to get people going, really trying to help people in that transition home. And, you know, I've worked with you long enough now to hear you talk about really working on a room that you've organized or working on a home that you've organized. And you talk about zones. Mm-hmm. And now, in the emergency department, we have our high acuity zone and we have our low acuity zone. What does that mean to you? And how do you want to tell our listeners that are bringing a baby home how they can use this to bring their baby home? I love creating zones. Think about it like going into a restaurant. You have the you know preparation zone. You have the sink and the washing zone. You have where you're actually cooking it. You have where you're actually getting the plates and serving it. And without those zones being prepared ahead of time, there would be no kitchen and you would have a huge mess in a restaurant. And the same thing goes for everything else in the rest of our homes and and our rooms, you know, in our lives in general. We want to have that ready and already prepared because once you bring that child home and you try to create these zones then, it can be really overwhelming and really stressful, especially if if this is your first child. When I say zones, I like to think of it just going back to that analogy. You know, setting up a changing zone, setting up a sleeping zone, setting up a 
diapering or feeding or reading books zone, tummy time zone, you know, a little play area. And I know that that sounds super far ahead, but time goes by so quickly and you need to have that kind of space thought out beforehand. Um, so I like to, yeah. Let me say it back to you. So when you talk about those zones in, for instance, in your daughter's bedroom, you were kind of talking about a bedroom. So there's a sleeping area, a diapering area, a changing area, I'm assuming tied to it. And then a reading area, maybe a, a tummy time or a mat or a play area. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then you approach the same way for other rooms. So for instance, in your kitchen, how do you approach that? In the kitchen? Yeah, is there, I'm assuming there's a feeding area, there's other places in your kitchen or areas that... Yeah, absolutely, like where you would have the bottles, all those things, and that's kind of something I will talk about a little later. But zones, and you don't have to have a 13,000-square-foot house to have all these zones. It could literally be, you know, three foot by three foot. It could be, you know, as big as you like it, and it doesn't have to be glamorous. It just needs to be functional. And I've said that a lot in the past. It just needs to work for you. And if it doesn't work for you, it needs to be changed. Uh, So it needs to be something that based on your room, size, location, wherever you have your area that you are planning, it just needs to work for you and be functional. And this can be a lot of it can be in all in the baby's room. If you have, you know, if the baby is sharing a room or, you know, you have to just set it up and think about it in like an invisible dividing line, put tape down if it really helps you like painter's tape and say, okay, I won't go beyond this amount of space. I won't, you know, it really keeps yourself limited on what you do in certain areas so you don't go overboard. So that makes sure that you have enough space for what you're trying to plan out. And another thing that I really like to tell people, and they don't think about this right away, they end up looking at me like I have three heads. I say, don't be afraid to uh, not follow or hug the walls with your furniture. And by that, I mean, sometimes I walk into a room and I see a bed along the wall. I see a dresser along the wall. I see the changing table along the wall. And then the middle of the room is this empty space. And I say, you're paying for the square footage. You have all this space here. There's so much you can do with this space, but they don't know how to use it. So start out with putting the diaper changing area in the middle of the room maybe. And that kind of gives a really good visual of like everything behind here is all, you know, changing, feeding, etc. And then everything in front of it could be sleeping and tummy time or play time, reading time. And then uh, do the same thing with the bed or the crib and making it so it's not hugging the wall. And you get a lot of your space back. May look a little funky, but it actually starts turning into its own little zones. That's that's pretty amazing. I wish I had had that information when my kids were young. And I know we've had people feed, give, give us feedback that it's extremely effective. And one of the other things I want to talk about, and we're going to go through a lot of things tonight. I remember having diapers everywhere. I had them in my car. I had them in the glove box. You know, five years later, I'm pulling diapers out of the trunk and the kids have been potty trained for three years. And I remember reading a statistic that on average in the first year of life, a baby will have their diaper changed about 3000 times. Um, That's pretty amazing to me, but Oh yeah. Tell me what your thoughts are about, I guess, diaper organization, what new parents should think about 
Uh, what are the important things to work through with that? Oh, man, I hear so many people saying, oh, I made a diaper cake for my niece or I, you oh, know, I got a, a you... diaper cake. A diaper cake is literally, think about it as like a wedding cake, like a three, four tier wedding cake, but it's made out of diapers and it's not edible. It's literally just a, a in in the shape of a cake designed to be like super cute and appearance, you know, just aesthetically pleasing as a big gift of just all diapers. And those diapers are gone in a week. And those diapers are gone in a week. So my suggestion is to not – I know your instinct is to overbuy on diapers. I wouldn't buy more than like three boxes of diapers in all honesty. Uh, you, a, you don't know how big your baby is going to be. Uh, B, you you need to get into uh, the kind of that organizational – mindset of how you're actually going to store things and practice doing that before you start overwhelming yourself with all of these diapers. Lots of people will say, oh, that's all you need is diapers. That's all you need is diapers. I really disagree. I think that if you have just a few boxes, you're really good to start out. And again, asking for help or having Amazon has the auto delivery on. So we are in a a time, uh, you know, 2022 that we don't need to overbuy. It's at our fingertips. And you don't need to have all of that excess lying around. If you have the, the storage and the space and you want to, I'm totally okay with that if you're okay with it. It just becomes a big mess when you're stacking it. Uh, so vertical storage, and I'm going to say this a thousand times, vertical storage. All what, that's, what, what, what is vertical storage? I was storage? About to, just, just about to describe it to you. Vertical storage is, you know, maybe you think about that closet that has a really tall shelf that nothing is stacked on top of it. Or maybe if you have a closet that just has one rung, a rod for clothes and you have all this empty space beneath it and above it and it's just kind of cumbersome for you you don't really think about how to use it try using that space on top and bottom as much as as possible vertically not long wide you know not horizontally like hanging clothes or stacking things in piles you know you could easily I've reused Huggies or other diaper brands boxes that are long I've put them I've cut the tops off of them and I've set them up upward so they're facing upward with an opening in the front and I've stacked things inside of them to use vertical storage use them as kind of a container and you put it sideways did I describe that well enough let me start over that box take the front of it off put it up vertically and then stack things and store things in it so that it becomes its own little container but sideways and you can get and take things in and out of it still I've reused boxes like that for vertical storage, uh, putting in additional shelves, getting in, you know, Ikea has great things for vertical storage. What I love to do, especially for under, like in closets, that space beneath is getting like those cube shelves and, you know, storing clothes or shoes or something like that, but getting stuff off of the floor and stop stacking it on top of each other, like boxes of diapers on top of each other. And it doesn't look neat, doesn't look clean or polished, and it's not functional. Like things are just going to fall out. Um, but that's kind of what I think about. And you could do that for, you know, under the bed. And there's, there's tons of places and areas all over the home that vertical storage comes into play. So we talked about clean diapers. Talk a little bit about dirty diapers. What do you do? Where dirty do you set diapers. it up? Oh, yeah. So little... you definitely want to have, if we're talking about diapering, you really want to have your, you know, decide where you want your trash can, that diaper genie or the accessories nearby. I personally had used cloth diapers and disposable diapers, but the disposable diapers when we were out in public. So I had, you know, a specific trash can set up for uh, storage of the dirty cloth diapers. And then I had another like little bin 
that was in a cart, like a rolling organizing cart that had, you know, tissues and all those other accessories. And then the emergency bin, I called it, like there's a blowout and I quickly need to put it in some kind of pan. And it was literally like a sponge bathing pan they gave me at the hospital. And I just took that home and reused it as like the emergency pan. Like, give me the emergency pan. There's a blowout. Just pop, toss it in there. I'll take care of it in the, in the shower or the, uh, the bathroom. And that's kind of what I had on standby in case there was something that I needed to just get off of her right away. So we're we're kind of we've kind of talked a little bit about the baby's bedroom. Oh wait, I want to also add trash bags. Add trash bags and storage all in the same room where you're doing the diapering so that you have everything you need. Or if you're not using, you know, regular trash trash bags, use grocery bags. You know, um, have them on standby as well. Have everything you know, in that area. So you just pull it out. It's ready to go. There's two other areas in the bedroom and, you know, hopefully you get everything on your registry. And one of the things I'll say as a pediatrician and a pediatric ER doctor is I think people forget that babies grow quickly. And as you talked about, which I think is great advice is starting with a small amount of diapers because they may grow quickly and outgrow them really, really quickly. And let's say you now have gotten all your clothes from your registry and you have a 12 pound baby um you're up the creek without a paddle so talk a little bit about a getting the clothing unpacking the clothing and how you like to work through as a professional organizer a parent coach a mom and you know how we've coached people to really organize clothing for children i'm going to say this is one of the this is one of the biggest topics that we talk about in parent coaching or just in any of my clients. Uh, it, this is a huge topic, clothing in general. Everybody has a lot of clothing and babies especially because, oh, this one little outfit's so cute and I had to get three others and you got to get one from every holiday and so on and so forth and totally fun and exciting. Uh, again, don't go crazy on all the sizes. I made a checklist of theoretically – how big she would how old she was going to be in certain seasons so you know like zero to three months it was going to be winter and then three to six months you know i made a checklist of like right about winter and fall and then when summer and spring was going to happen so i was purchasing clothes based off of a theoretical estimate right and it worked out very well for me i did have a very large child but it worked out very well because i did not buy a lot of newborn stuff and then you can also go the reverse you might have a preemie and they don't fit into any of the clothes. Now you got to buy a lot of preemie stuff, unfortunately. Uh, so just, t- you know, I know everyone's so excited about buying the clothing and you can't stop anybody from buying you the clothing. I'd really start out slow with the sizes. You know, I loved going and to, uh, and I'm going to actually make a blog about this, about um, going to events. One of them is just between friends where you can go and purchase clothing that was reu- that was used and it all looks brand new. It's amazing. Um, you know, brand name clothing and shoes and accessories, everything you could possibly think of kid related. You can go to this event and it happens twice a year. And I actually sell my kids stuff at this event too, every single season. And uh, sorry, twice a year. And it's such an amazing opportunity to spend 
very little money on a lot of things. So that could be another option instead of spending a ton of money on you know, a small amount of things that you don't even know if they're going to fit into. So you feel a little better if it was a $4 outfit than a $30 outfit. Uh, so that's one thing. And um, But the process, you know, getting the, pa- the clothes, unpacking them, remove all the hangers, tags, wash them in hypoallergenic uh, detergent because you don't know what sensitivity your child is going to have. So try to just be as hypoallergenic as possible. I like to do a count of each item and literally get that paper out and do the tally of I got 10 PJs, 10 onesies or short sleeve onesies, get specific, you know, 10 pairs of socks, count them because you might wind up going, oh, I only have one pair of pants. How did that happen? And then you're, you're not really prepared depending on the season that you're in. So, or, you know, location that you are in. And it's very important to make sure that you have, you know, at least one out one outfit a day if not two outfits a day because you know babies spit up they have blowouts they have all those things that happen and you want to be prepared for at least two outfits a day and um so that's another thing make that that list of the count of the number of items that you have of each clothing item um then it gets into you know after you wash dry them and count them and make sure you have everything you need um there's two things here some people are like i have no closet like, or the, the only closet I have in my house is the one I use and they have no closet. Or maybe you have a closet and you'll have space for a dresser. There are lots of things here. Um, sometimes I've put the dresser, like a very small two, three drawer, low size dresser inside the closet and then had the hanger on top. And then now you have the dresser in with the closet and now you don't have it sticking out in the bedroom. I've had areas in a house where there was like a nook that was really awkward and I put the dresser there and then I hung a curtain rod with a shelf above it to make a closet for this person. And then I kind of sewed together really quick a curtain to cover it on the top and it looked beautiful. Um, I've done that with my place too, a long time ago. So sometimes you have to just think outside the box in that way or we can do that for you. And uh, going alongside with creating that space for the clothing, if you have the closet, you can hang all of the clothes if you have the space. If you don't, just hang all of the nice items and then fold pants and socks and other little small items in little bins. And IKEA makes great little organizing bins or other drawer dividers that you can get online as well from Amazon or other places and uh, arrange them in a way that's one is a greater need than the other. So like, oh, I need onesies always quickly, so I need them maybe in the changing area. So think about it that way. It doesn't always have to be in their dresser. Labeling them is really great because sometimes dad doesn't know or the other parent doesn't know where everything is all the time. I've encountered that a lot. Labeling them could be masking tape. And what do you call that? You call that man looking? Man looking, yes. <laughs> I have said that. Man looking. Oh, you're man looking again. It's right here. Uh, also, there are little dividers that hang inside the closets, much like at a store rack. Could say zero to three months on it that you create yourself. You could create your own little dividers so that if you want to put multiple sizes on a rack in the in the in the closing, or sorry, in the um the closet. Excuse me. If you want to put multiple sizes in the closet to differentiate that to make a divider you can definitely do that yourself so there are lots of ideas here and the way that you fold going back to the dressers the way that you fold clothes is super important 
It's very important when it comes to saving space. I like the the file organizing way where you can kind of, I'm using a hand motion here where you're like going through a filing cabinet. Your two fingers are kind of crawling along the top. And if you fold pants or shirts that way, you can kind of go along and go, oh yeah, 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 instead of stacking them one on top of each other and creating a mess for yourself. And then it becomes very hard to find out what you're looking for or what shirt you're looking for, what item you're looking for in general. So how you fold them and how you place them in the in the uh, the cabinet, or not the cabinet, the dresser drawer is very important. And I mentioned before about adding a small little dresser to or cube storage inside that closet to expand the space that you have, shoes, extra clothes. If you also don't have space to add all the additional sizes that I mentioned for the for your child, three to six months, 24 to, you know, other months, you know, all these things, all these different sizes, I like to put them in Ziploc, they're huge Ziploc bags. They're the size of a tote. And I like to fold them, put them in there, label the outside, put them inside of a tote, and then store them somewhere else so that they're ready to be used. Or you can just wash them again and then use them. But you know where they are. You know, again, the count of what's there, the size, and you're not searching frantically for that size. I've heard you talk a little bit in the in the past about what I kind of joke in the accounting world is one in and one out. What do you mean by that? And one, you do that with kids' clothes as well. One in, one out rule. I This really helps with overbuying. And I mean, just in clothes in general and everything in general, not just clothes. The one in, one out rule doesn't always apply to one in, literally one out. You can... I like to think of it as when you go to the store and you're saying, oh, I really want to buy three new shirts. I say, okay, I want to go home and get rid of three shirts then because this really controls what you're buying and what what you're spending on, you know, depending on what it is. And kids, it's so easy to buy things for them, everything, toys, accessories, clothing. So if you have a certain amount of items and you're kind of at your max and you still want to buy more for them kind of think about if I buy this what am I going to get rid of at home then or donate to some other child you know and that really helps control with having too many things for your kid and having a you know the problem of finding a place to store all these things and this really just helps and, like- and again it's not literally one in one out. Maybe you go and buy three shirts and you say, I'm just going to get rid of one shirt. I'm okay with that. But I, I love the one in one out rule. And it also helps rotate so, old stuff. Yeah, I think it's, that's one of the, as I've tapped takeaways from tonight, one of the things that's really important is it, that's a really key to organization. And, you know, what are some other things that you want to tell our listeners? What are some areas, you know, I know that in the past we've talked about safety, we've talked about travel, about car seats, and, you know, how do we make that, I'll say, bedroom or sleeping space, you know, womb-like so that they'll sleep? Oh, I, you know, we love, love making the checklist of making it just like you said, womb-like, checking lighting, you know, making sure you have curtains or shades or blinds that's something you control lighting that really assists with sleep, sound machines, things like that, having maybe a rocking chair or swaddles, things like those will really assist with 
helping that child acclimate to that room and being kind of alone for the first time, really, and making sure that they're comfortable, but also safe, not having teddy bears in their packing, not packing place, their cribs and where they're sleeping. And, uh, you know, some people like to do the, where the child kind of sleeps with you and co-sleeping, they call it. And, uh, just make sure that everything is super safe for them for sleeping. You know, we've used the ABC rule of sleeping alone on their back and in their crib. And that should really be something that is really solid in your brain. That's kind of a mental preparation for the parents is to not let babies sleep with you. So that's, it's so hard because you just want them to be with you. And again, mental preparation checklist, like, hey, I really can't do this. I shouldn't do this. Is there another way around doing this? And we can offer you lots of suggestions, but that's, you know, hitting the tip of the iceberg there. Yeah, I'd like to add a few things. I put my pediatric hat on, and certainly we've talked about sudden infant death, and you know, dread points, no stuffed animals, the cribs, no padding, no pillows, no blankets. That will really put you in position. And you know, I I worked a lot this week, and I had three children fall off changing tables this week. Um, I had one fall out of a high chair, and it goes back to using the buckles, using the strap and it becomes higher in four months and that's the time they start to roll over but even babies can go and fall you have to be really careful um so talk a little bit about diaper bags and tell me what you did around diaper bags to stay organized i didn't use a traditional diaper bag really i really focused on staying as small as possible and some people would look at me crazy and go well yeah you need a lot of stuff though but if you give yourself a lot of space your instinct is to fill every bit of that space or you think oh i have extra space i can add more stuff don't do that have the smallest diaper bag as possible so that it's easy to find things easy to categorize and put little sections and zones in the diaper bag itself and you're also not killing yourself carrying this around and it's not like an extra tote bag, really. It be- can be really bulky and really annoying to carry. I really kept what I needed was X amount of diapers. If I needed some space for feeding and some ointments, creams, diaper balm, that kind of thing. And maybe some things for myself. I had some feminine products in there and tissues and maybe some alcohol spray and the diaper mat, but really keep it simple. And don't be afraid much like when you're organizing a bedroom with the zones and going out of the realm of hugging the walls with furniture. Don't be afraid to create your own diaper bag. Like a, I've used a computer bag before in train or a book bag. Those are becoming really big now. Easy to, easier to carry, still easy to put on the stroller straps uh, for the cart. Uh, what do you call that? The stroller, excuse me. And it's easy to have all those compartments. So the because the computer bag always has all those little zip compartments that I love so much. And just kind of make it your own and don't always have to make it that traditional rectangular boxy bag. I think that's really great advice. What did you do? What advice do you have about strollers? Oh, this is fantastic. Oh my gosh, I have the greatest story about the stroller. I want to say, learn how to use it and open and close it. I know that sounds crazy. I've seen and heard a lot of people where they have the stroller. They set up the car seat, but 
the time that they're trying to use the stroller, they think it's so simple and then they have no idea how to open it or how to close it. And then there's like a specific lock on it. And then they, I say, you have to YouTube it. I don't know all of how every stroller works, but they end up not knowing how to use it when they need to use it. And it's the same thing, kind of pack and plays are like this. I've experienced some pack and plays where I needed to look back on the instructions to open it, but there, this is really important is all your equipment goes for all your equipment learn how to open and close it or use it in general because they can be tricky especially if it's something that changes as they get bigger where like the car seat can change and or the way that the car seat fits into the stroller different areas and the way that it leans forward and backwards learn how to do that Yeah, I'm, I'm a big, I was always wanted duplicates. And, you know, if you're a mom and a dad or just a mom and a mom and you have multiple cars, you may want to think about it. One of the things that's really important with your car seats is really have someone check it appropriately. We have kids come in with injuries all the time with car seats not properly installed. And you can have someone in the hospital do it. Many states now require it before you go home. Um, make sure your child is appropriately buckled and you know one of the things that can be a challenge if you have one car seat try to get a second one if you can um also keep in mind if you have an accident even a minor fender bender with a car seat you need to replace it um, it will not be covered under warranty and you know i want to go back and talk a little bit about daylight savings as well for that womb-like room if you have to have a baby during that changing and i think in the u.s we're going away from daylight savings but the time will change throughout the year where it's different times in the morning so in the summertime it's at five o'clock in the morning babies will be wide awake so if you have those room darkening or blackout shades it may help you as a parent and one of the other things i would add is you know if you have that zone for sleeping and zone for that routine going to bed will really help with sleep and one of the things that we've been able to help parents with is setting up that routine setting up that zone to really help them get smooth transition to sleep every night and getting their baby to sleep through the night and it's been really really helpful can you go back and summarize for our listeners I would say three, four key topics from tonight, key ways that you'd recommend that every parent um, think about before they bring the child home to be properly organized and, and to work through this. Absolutely. Number one is, again, that checklist of really what do I need and when do I need it by? And everybody thinks that they have, you know, the full nine months to, to prepare for this and things happen. And unfortunately, so be prepared ahead of time. Make the checklist of what you need when you need it by. And that's that's definitely number one. Number two is the sleep, really setting up that area specific for sleep. Dr. Chris, like you said, uh, maybe that's getting them to bed, putting them in their jammies in their room, moving them over to the rocking chair and feeding them or reading them a book, relaxing them massaging them in their their swaddle and then transitioning them into their crib by themselves that really gets them familiar with their surrounding and their new room and really gets you to be in your own space and start sleeping on their schedule a little easier and that room darkening control is super important 
And then lastly, I think it's the organization with their clothes or their closet. That's where I see a lot of people struggling with space and functionality in the child's room and just in general, that they they can't find things or things are a big mess or it's not where they expected it to be, labeling things and really kind of setting it up where, okay, I know that this is where this goes. This is how I'm going to fold that and put this in here and really get your partner on board with everything because if you two are doing opposite things, you're working against each other and kind of going against the current, especially with a newborn, is really tough. So being on the same page is really important. Making sure each other knows you know, the sleeping rules and that mentally mental preparation ahead of time. Yeah, I would, I would add that, you know, it's really exciting. You come home and I don't know where I read it. I read it. It was a, it was a famous celebrity and they said they, you know, they brought their baby home and they're like, oh crap, I don't know anything. And I would add that one of the most important things is to really listen to some of the things we're talking about because adult time becomes really important. And if your baby's up crying every night, you're never going to have adult time and you want to try to gain that adult time back um, as soon as you possibly can because it's really important both for your relationship um, and and for your partner and your partnership with the two people and for your sanity i would say you're agreed and you know there's lots of memes out there what moms look like when they you know before they deliver on what what they look like afterward and dads as well um, you are going to be sleep deprived. I always joke that the last time I slept in was before I had my first child. Um, so a lot of these tips, I think Azure are amazing that you've shared with our, our listeners. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening tonight. Um, certainly if you have any questions, email us at info We have online parent classes that you can easily take. Um, it's same website, www.bloomerwellness.com. And we have a new mom, a new parent survival guide that's coming out shortly. And we have parent coaching available. Uh, reach out to us. We would love to help you. And if you have any questions, suggestions, we'd love to hear them as well. So I love thank, organizing you, thank you everyone for listening. And have a great night, guys. Yes. Next podcast. See you soon. Take care. That's all for today's episode. Thank you for joining our Mom and Doc Talk. Did any questions come up while you were listening? Share your questions with Dr. Christopher and Azure by visiting www.blueemeraldwellness.com. You can also connect with them on Instagram at WeAreKidsHealthSecrets. Don't forget to rate the show on iTunes or Spotify so we can continue answering your most pressing kids' health and parenting questions. Thanks again for tuning in. And we'll catch you in the next episode of Mom and Doc Talk. The content of this podcast, the opinions and information provided by the co-host and guests are for educational purposes only and should not replace the care provided by your child's physician. If you or your child is ill or having an emergency, please call 911 or seek care immediately.